You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. You know, sometimes when we face trouble in our life, we easily give up on our quest for a walk with God. We easily just hang our hat up and quit. And we say, you know what? This is too much for me. I can't handle it. But the true test of character is for the individual that goes through hell and high water, amen, and comes out on the other side singing victory in Jesus because it's not their strength anyway. It's the strength of the Lord. Don't let your trouble cause you to give up on the blessing. In Pastor Gary's message today, he shares the true test of character. When a believer goes through the most challenging situations and comes out stronger in their faith, thanks to the strength found in the Lord, those who abandon God at the slightest difficulty never believed in His power in the first place. The power of the Lord is strong enough to outlast any setback, and the believer must only have faith to persevere. Don't use your troubles to give up on the blessings found in the Lord. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Genesis chapter 32 as he begins his message, Learning to Live with a Limp. Genesis chapter number 32, and we will begin reading in verse number 24. Genesis chapter 32, verse number 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. Read with me again verse number 31 for our focus. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. The word halted here simply means limped. And I want to preach this morning this subject, learning to live with a limp. Learning to live with a limp. This limp can symbolize for us many various things depending upon our walks of life and where we are and where we're headed and what's happened to us and what's going to happen to us. But let's just say, uh, in general, this limp basically represents trouble, weakness, 
or any constraint in life that has caused you some kind of turmoil and strife. It goes without saying that your life will be full of trouble by the time you say your last goodbye to this old world. Amen. The Bible teaches us that you are not born among women without trouble and without sorrow. Some have more and some have less, but we all have trouble. Now, the difference between a winner and a loser in life is the winner learns how to take his trouble and work through it and use it to his advantage rather than just signing in and quitting. Are you listening to me? God wants us to learn how to deal with trouble in a way that glorifies and honors him. Learn, in other words, how to live with the limps that are in our life. Now, Jacob was a very strong-willed individual. Jacob uh, was known for his wittiness, his conniving uh, spirit. He was, he, was al- he was always known as one who would, uh, who would uh, cheat his way through things, and he'd figure out a way to get the upper hand, even if it was not ethical to do so. And so Jacob... Uh, he was a conniver. That's what his name literally means, is a conniver or a supplanter. And so Jacob was very aggressive. He was very energetic. He was very strong personality, strong-willed individual. But one day, something happened to Jacob that completely changed the rest of his life. And I want to give you three ways in which you learn to live with a limp by using Jacob as our example. Number one You learn to live with a limp by being alone with God. Look at verse number 24 again with me. The Bible said, and Jacob was left alone. Now this is very important to understand because God has a way of isolating you. God has a way of getting your attention and he has a way of pulling you out from the distractions of life into a place of loneliness where it's just you and God. There will be times in your life that it seems like God is nowhere in sight and it seems like you can't even get a hold of God. But then there are times in life that God pulls you aside for the specific purpose of getting your undivided attention. And this is where Jacob finds himself because he providentially found himself in a place where he was left alone. He was left alone. And I want to say he wasn't just alone by himself he was alone with God amen and so you may find yourself this morning in a place of loneliness you may feel like that there's no one around you to support you or help you or strengthen you along life's journey but do not be afraid because God has a purpose for the place that you are at and it is for the specific purpose of getting your attention and speaking some things to you that you need to know about that you need to be aware of there are three elements in being left alone with God that we look at the first element is the element of time it said that Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day Let me say this, it was a long night for Jacob. It was a long night. Have you ever been in a season of life where it was a long night? You was lonely, and not only was you lonely, but it was lengthy. It felt like you would never get through this season in your life. And you may be there this morning, but don't worry because God is doing something for you. I know the silence is scary. I know that it's troubling. But if you'll wait long enough and be patient, God will reveal his perfect plan in your life. But you've got to learn how to give God time 
to work. And honestly, sometimes God is, we're not waiting on God so much as God is waiting on us. If you'll notice, they didn't start talking to each other until right at the break of day. They were just wrestling all night. You know, sometimes God's trying to get us to enter into a conversation with him, but we're so stubborn and we're so hard-headed and we're so self-dependent that it takes us a while to get to a point of weakness where we finally have to call on him and actually talk to him about our troubles. You know, sometimes the time factor is delayed not because God is taking his time, but because we're stubborn and unwilling to enter into a real significant and meaningful conversation with God about our struggles. And so when you're alone with God, time is a factor. But not only is time a factor, but testing is a factor. Look with me at verse 25. The Bible said, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, when God saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, that's interesting right there, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This is interesting to me because this shows not only is there the element of time, but there's the element of being tested. God is testing Jacob. What happened here is God found a point of strength in Jacob's life that he was going to withdraw strength from so that he could test Jacob's commitment to needing to be blessed. See, it is not until we are vulnerable and in need of God that we are really willing to thrust ourselves upon him. And Jacob all night long wrestled, and he didn't look like he was going to give up at all. And so God said, all right, I want to see what he'll do with trouble in his life. I want to see if he still wants me after I've taken his strength from him. So God touched the hollow of his thigh, a point in his life that he most counted on. And, you know, sometimes God will take things from you that you most counted on, and, and he's not doing that to hurt you. He's doing it to help you because he's got to take test your character he's got to test your motives he's got to test your willingness to follow him through thick and thin and if a little trouble or a trial will wash you out of the way then God knows that you didn't have it what it took to be blessed and see God wanted to bless Jacob he knew Jacob was going to ask for a blessing but he needed to test Jacob's character to see if Jacob was willing to continually seek after the blessing even when he was really too weak to do so you know sometimes when we face trouble in our life we easily give up on our quest for a walk with God. We easily just hang our hat up and quit. And we say, you know what, this is too much for me. I can't handle it. But the true test of character is for the individual that goes through hell and high water, amen, and comes out on the other side singing victory in Jesus because it's not their strength anyway. It's the strength of the Lord. Don't let your trouble cause you to give up on the blessing. Verse 26, he said, let me go. God's asking Jacob to let him go for the day breaketh. God will invite you to let him go to see if you're willing to let him go. God will put things in your life just to see if you will give up on your walk with God or if you'll continually pursue God. What does it take to cause you to quit on God? Or is there anything that will cause you to quit? That's a good question for all of us. And, and God invited Jacob to let him go for the day breaketh. And Jacob responded correctly. He passed the test and said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So I got a question for you. Will weakness stop you before daybreak? You see, some of you are right on the verge of the daybreak in your life. You've been through the night season. God's fixing to do great and mighty things. And the difference between whether or not you will see the light of day is whether or not you'll hold on until God releases the blessing. Do not give up on yourself and do not give up 
on God. I know sometimes it feels like he's silent and quiet. And I know sometimes it's hard to discern what he's doing because it's dark. And when it's dark, you can't hardly see anything. And all you feel is pain and, and all of that. But if you'll wait long enough, daybreak will come if you do not quit. You keep believing God. You keep trusting God. You keep wrestling with God and allowing God to wrestle with you until something happens that will change your life significantly. So we see time, we see testing, and we see talking. Look at verse 27. He said unto him, What is thy name? God begins to ask Jacob some incriminating questions. What is thy name? Because see, when Jacob admitted that his name was Jacob, he was in essence admitting to the fact that he was a supplanter. God wasn't just asking for his name, just to be asking for his name. God was really saying, who are you really? In other words, what are your issues? Who are you as an individual? And, and he had to admit, I'm a supplanter. That's who I am, God. Question for you. Have you really had any real significant conversations with God about your problems? You see, God knows it already, and we are fooling ourselves if we think we're hiding it from Him. We need to learn how to be able to enter into pure and honest conversations with God about our innermost problems and struggles and sins. Say, God, here I am, chains and all, sorriness and all, sin and all. God, this is who I am. I'm no longer going to hide from you. I'm no longer going to pretend like I'm somebody that I'm not. And the moment you begin to enter into a real conversation with God about your problems is a moment that he can begin to really work on you and help you. This goes also for human relationships. You cannot solve problems that you're unwilling to communicate and talk about. The church, if the church worldwide is guilty of anything, we're guilty of not having conversations that need to be had. We avoid subjects of conflict. We avoid subjects of contradiction. We avoid subjects of controversy. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't want to rub anybody's feathers the wrong way. We don't want to ruffle any feathers. You hear what I'm saying? And so we avoid the hot points. And we avoid talking about things that we really need to talk about. And the reason we receive no healing is because we've zipped our lips on the subjects that we're uncomfortable talking about. Because if we open up and talk about it, it'll open up a can of worms we'll have to admit that we're all sinners in need of God's help. And heaven forbid that the church get real and get honest with ourselves that we're a bunch of fakes and phonies without Jesus. Can I just put it like it is? Hey, I don't have nothing to claim but the cross this morning. Can I be honest with you? I'm walking with a limp this morning. I'm not who I look like I am. To you, some of you have expressed your appreciation for my ministry, and I thank you for that. But if you really knew who I was, if you knew the weaknesses that I had, if you knew the limps that I had in my soul, you probably wouldn't have as much respect for me as you do this morning. But I'm just being honest because somebody's got to start the conversation. We've got to get real with one another, quit pretending like we're good and we're the best and we're, you know, we're all that when we're not. Jacob had to admit that he got where he got in life by cheating and lying. And the world is full of people who have given up on church because the church people are unwilling to say, I am Jacob. And if the church would just say, you know what, I'm a sinner just like you, the only difference between me and you is I'm on the side of grace. You know what I'm saying? And if we could have that real conversation and let this world know that they can, hey, you know what Christianity really is? I love this definition. Don't remember where I heard it from. 
Yeah, I do. Preacher said it this way. A Christian is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. <laughs> Isn't that good? And as long as you sit there in your pious, self-righteous, conceited spirit and think well of yourself and think more of yourself than you think of others, you can't get any help or healing because you're not willing to have an honest conversation with God about the trouble that is in your soul outside of Him. But if we could ever get honest, not only with God, but with one another. You see, the fact is, we live in what I call the Mayberry of Mississippi. Everybody knows everybody's business. Amen? And we can pretend like we don't have issues, or we can get honest and admit we have issues, and all of us call out to God for help and see if God don't send a Holy Ghost revival that'll shake this country for Jesus. But it all starts... With a night with God, being alone with God. Getting so far alone with God that you can hear Him speak to you. Away from the chatter, away from the noise, away from your religiosity, away from all the activities that you've busied yourself with to drown His voice out. Get to a place where you're alone with God and you can hear Him speak. And when He speaks, don't refute it, admit it. Talk with Him. God wants you to talk to Him about your issues. So, one of the ways you learn to live with the limp is you get along with God. Amen. Secondly, I've got to hurry. You've got to learn how to be addressed by God. You see, God began to address Jacob's issue. Verse 28, God spoke to Jacob and said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. This is good now. Y'all hold on to your seats. God began to address him, not in a way that he had expected. You know, often is the case that we come before a holy God as vile sinners and we expect the worst of punishment. No doubt the lady that was caught in the very act of adultery expected to be scorned by our Savior for her deeds. And the religious expected it because they all had rocks in their hand ready to cast the matter. And Jesus simply looked up and said, He that is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their rocks and walked away from the eldest to the least under Holy Ghost conviction for the sin that was in their own life. And Jesus looked at her and said, Where are thine accusers? And the woman said, There are none. And he said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He addressed her need for salvation, and he addressed her need for sanctification in one sentence. He said, neither do I condemn thee, that salvation, go and sin no more, that sanctification. He addressed both issues. See, and when you really express the grace and the love of God to a lost sinner, you're not excusing their sin. You're pointing them to Christ who can take care of their sin past and sin future. Hallelujah. Salvation sanctification and what happened there is Jesus did not respond to her the Bible says that he hath not rewarded us according to our iniquities hallelujah that means at the foot of the cross uh, I have been given access to the th holy throne of God through the blood of Christ and if I got what I deserved I'd be in hell but I didn't get what I deserved but I, I got what Christ deserved Christ deserved to be in heaven with his father and I, I was bestowed what was bestowed upon me was the righteousness of Christ and so when God began to address Jacob he did not rebuke Jacob for who he was because Jacob was willing to admit who he was see if you just get honest with God there's grace plenty there's grace plenty but you've got to be honest with God you know what will happen to you like it happened to Jacob he'll put your past behind you 
when God begins to address you, he'll address your past, but he wants to put it behind you. He doesn't want to hold it against you. He wants to put it behind you. Are you listening this morning? God, you know, men may remember what you've done, and they may hold it against you for the rest of your life, but I really don't care what man has to say about my past because it's under the blood. Amen. God's done forgiven it. God's done forgotten it, so you can bring it up all you want to. You can talk all you want to, but you're not going to change my stance with God because God approved with the blood of his own son. Thank you very much. Amen. And God wants to address your past this morning. And unlike some religious people that might teach you that God is, uh, wants to fry you like a sausage, and guess what? You'll go to hell if you don't know Jesus. Don't get me wrong, but that's not his will. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God doesn't want to hold your past against you. He made a way where you could escape, but you've got to come to him and you've got to be honest with him. And he'll put your past behind you. See, God is addressing Jacob with his grace. Not only will he put your past behind you, but he'll put a promise before you. Are you listening? He said, Thou shalt no more be called Jacob or supplanter, but Israel. That means power with God. Are you listening? God will put a promise before you. If you give your life to Christ, if you quit running from Him. See, some people are running from God. They've been running their whole life. They hate God. They hate everything about God. And they really, they don't hate God. They probably hate what they've been taught about God. And unfortunately, in this world, there's a lot of bad teaching about God. But if you can understand that God loves you and God wants to save you, God wants to redeem you, you can, uh, you can appreciate God a little bit more. And so Jacob found himself in a place where he was alone with God. He was guilty before God, guilty as charged. And instead of God condemning him, God began to give him a hope and a future in spite of his past. And see, God looks at you and he wants to help you from this point forward to be prospered, to be blessed, to be saved. He's most concerned about your eternal destiny. He wants you to live in heaven with him. But you know, Jesus said that he's come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And see, when God is addressing your situation, he knows about your problem, but he wants to help you put it behind you so that you can live on a promise of a better day. And then he'll put prevailing power within you. Prevailing power. He said, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. You see, your struggle don't have to win. Your problem don't have to win. Your limp, whatever your limp is, it don't have to get the best of you. It don't have to define you. It don't have to be what you live under the identity of. See, God can help you overcome any problem that you have, be it sin or otherwise. You know, the church freaks out over sin problems. We do. We can understand somebody having financial problems. We can understand somebody having marital problems. We can understand somebody having an attitude problem, but buddy, God forbid that they, they do a sin that's on my little list that I don't like because then we've got to break fellowship. Then we can't help them no more. We can deal with a lot of problems, but we haven't learned how to deal with sin problems. And when we look at somebody and we see the scarlet letter on them, so to speak, what do we do? We shun them. We throw them out. We kick them out. We may not, we may not literally do it, but, but we do it in spirit and in attitude and we just cut them off and we treat people like dirt. Are you listening to me? But God went to to the cross through Jesus Christ because God, Jesus was God in the flesh. He went to the cross to deal not with your financial problems, though he can deal with those. He didn't go to the cross to deal with your social problems, though he can deal with those. But he went to the cross to deal with sin, and the church has got to learn how to deal with sin as well. 
If my brother or my sister falls, the Bible says you which are spiritual are to restore such a one. That means build them up back to original status. That doesn't mean shun them or kick them out and wait until they do better and prove themselves. We don't put our brethren and sisters on probation and see if they do better and then we approve them over time. No, that's God's business. Not, it's not your or my business. We are to restore one another to the fellowship and God forgive us for all the people that have quit church and we didn't even make one phone call or one visit to even check on them or see why they've quit or worried about them or anything because we feel like that we're better than them well they weren't a part of us anyway and we get this attitude are you listening to me and we don't know how to deal with sin you've been listening to true north with pastor gary coddle we're so glad you joined us today for this study in god's word Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, GaryCottle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. As our time with you comes to an end, we'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Prayer for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Cottle Ministries, 171 White Circle, Louisville, Mississippi, 39339. Thank you for partnering with us. And thank you for listening today to True North.